welcome to the other side of midnight. Uh, Richard's, uh, he's under the weather again with his voice. So I'm your host, Keith Morgan. Uh, we're going to be trying to pick up on Mars again. And uh, we're going to have some good guests on tonight. We're going to have Ron Gerbron, uh Andrew Curry. And we're going to have... And we're going to have... Um, uh, oh, uh, Robert uh, Morningstar. Will Farrow is uh, supposed to be joining us, but uh, he hasn't seemed to come online on Skype yet. So, um, I know it's been kind of frustrating because uh, the wildfires out in the Midwest have been uh, hammering Richard and uh, James uh, Goodall because they're out there in the middle of all of the fires. And Richard said, this is spring. We never have wildfires, wildfires in this time. But uh, it seems that that seems to be the case going on here with the, uh, the wildfires. Anyway, uh, I, host, I hosted the uh, part one, hosted the part two, and it looks like I'm hosting part three. So uh, let me see if my guys are here. Uh, Andrew, are you, are you there? Yes, I am. Hey, Keith, how are you? Okay. And Ron, are you there? Oh, yes, I'm here. Okay. And Richard may stick his nose in, by the way. Don't forget. I, I, I talked to him twice today. His voice doesn't sound that bad. It's just whether he decides to jump in or not. Okay. And but he's probably listening. And Robert Morningstar, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay. This is our EM uh, Enterprise Mission imaging team. And um, we're going to go over some things about Mars. Um and they're going to point out some stuff that they have in their um, Radio Wood Pictures items. And hopefully we'll, uh, we'll bring up some new stuff. So let's get right into it. Uh, okay. I should probably just go through Richard's items because that's what he prompted me, prepped me for. I got them to come up finally. Okay. So Ron's going to cover Richard's items. To get to Richard's items, you're going to go to the other side of midnight.com. You're going to click on tonight's banner. Meanwhile, back on Mars, part three, that will take you to the show page. Then you're going to scroll down a little bit and you'll see the fast links and click on Richard for the fast links for items. And that will take you down to Richard's items. And hopefully everybody's about there. So go ahead, Ron. Let's start off with number okay. one. Yeah, the pre yeah, sort of the premise behind all of these was that it was about time that uh, we gave some serious thought to why doesn't NASA tell us the truth? You know, everybody's heard the acronym, the NASA stands for never a straight answer. And uh, that's been around a long time. But so has the fact that they don't show us what they get or they grudgingly take pictures. And going by the order that they ended up here, on the page the first one is a totally unmodified by me anyway uh, picture um, from the um, Newcomb Newcomb's team at uh, the European Space Agency when they took those pictures there's a down under my name there's a, a large version of the 
images it came off of, but this is one of their modified ones. One of the things the Europeans do is uh, more manufactured perspective shots. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, there's standard engineering programs that can rotate an image. Uh, you see it on TV shows all the time. Uh, but in the case of this, if you zoom in on there, I mean, there's the face, obviously, and that other um, assemblage right near it. If you look at it, it doesn't look like anything. It looks like a haystack. You know, it's all smeary from the, uh, and uh, it doesn't have to be like that. But they were going out of their way to make sure you couldn't see what it was. So that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. I tell you, that was a good choice, Keith. That's a good good one to go first. Uh, the second one uh, is a compilation of the uh, various early photos. You see, the one in the upper left is the one that somehow that's the one that I've seen the most of. That's the one that's on the poster that showed up on the wall of Mulder's office in the X-Files. And it's the one that's in all the tabloids and everything else. And technically, that's a Viking shot. But right next to it, you'll see one of the Viking images. You see, they, it really doesn't... I mean, it's the same thing, but, you know, there's a great deal of difference between them. Well, the one in the upper um, left-hand corner, that is the original Viking image one. And that's all the, with all of the salt and pepper noise where the data dropped out. Um, then Dr. Carlotto ran an algorithm to fill in all of that missing space by doing pixel summing around the actual dropouts. Yeah. And well, not to diss Dr. Carlotto, but if you, uh, if you have any kind of graphics program and it has a noise removal function and it has one that's a button that says despeckle, yeah. you just hit that once and they all go away. Well, back, so in, the time, added... back in the time when he did this, that was uh, a rare commodity. Nobody really had that. Um, there were some graphics uh, devices like the paint box from Quantel. They would do stuff like that. Yeah, you're but, right. You're right. Uh, yeah, uh, Photoshop didn't even really exist. I think it's it's first the first iteration of Photoshop actually fit on a floppy disk. <laughs> yeah, 1988. There wasn't that kind of stuff going on. So no, but uh, and the then below it is one that for some reason it was it's tagged uh, the uh, Malin Space Sciences used that one a lot that's the um that's the background image from the uh uh for people that have looked into these things uh there's uh, there are area shots from the Malin group showing the uh boxes that show the path of the image you know the um, image strip and where which parts of the overall picture it it showed and stuff that was supposed to accompany all of the ones that they took with the global surveyor and uh, anyway, they always labeled it target. So I always thought that was kind of funny. And you'll notice it's kind of in between the looks of the one on the upper left and the one on the upper right. And the one on the lower right is from the Mars Global Surveyor. And it's um, in the middle of their efforts. They they took a number of pictures. But, uh, it, I, it bothers me that they're that the um, uh, or the where the graphics, orthographics, are yeah, are all they're all a little different on all of these, and these are supposed to be precision equipment. You know, I won't say it's a different thing, but they were, you know, they're messing with it more and more, and uh, that's um, been frustrating. It because they, 
usually they're even they are a little more honest than that. There's something about Cydonia. I think maybe it's a psychological thing. Like they said, oh, people fixate on this. So if we screw this up, they won't believe anything. Because uh, there's I um, one thing we don't have that we should is the infamous uh, picture that Art Bell labeled the cat box. He, and, um, that was that was so bad. They rotated the craft off Ender, where it's supposed to be looking straight down, and looked back at it at an angle. The side that was in shadow that was now lit up, it was on the opposite side of what the camera was looking at, and it was distorted because of the angle that it shot. And then they cranked the pedestal level up, or black level, so that the contrast had dropped out to a level where you could see the, the CCD fingerprint, and you had these vertical lines, and it was just awful. I mean, it was the worst thing you could ever do. And, it was insultingly bad. Yeah. yeah that's... <laughs> and they said, see, there's nothing there. And then the European Space Agency came along, took a better picture. And what did these rocket scientists do? They put the picture out upside down and said, oh, see, there's nothing there. But now you can see the side it was in shadow. So NASA, not wanting to be outdone, they decided to they had to catch, play catch up. So they took a better picture. Now you can see the other side really good. But what do these rocket scientists do? They put the picture out upside down and said, see, there's nothing there. Knowing that face is oriented towards north, but offset to north by 19.5 degrees, they all put them out upside down because people could not see for looking. When you rotate it around, you could see that the other half of the face is not a head on. It's a profile of a face. So this thing has yeah. got multiple images embedded in it. And the side that we couldn't see is a profile. You got an upside down check mark ridge right where the ear should be. What are the odds? The eye comes over. You have the neck that comes down with a curvature representing where the collarbone is. It's a nice, perfect curve. You got the chin that comes down. You got the hairline across the top. And I'm going, nobody sees this. But people look and they just don't see because it, it's, it's like when the what was the Spanish came into um, Central America with the Mayans and, or whatever. They couldn't see the ships because they didn't recognize what they were looking at when they were coming. I, oh, that's like in that movie Apocalypto that uh, Mel Gibson did. Yeah. Well, people look at stuff yeah, and they just can't see. Yeah. I've, uh, anthropologically speaking, I've never been too sure about how true that was i mean whether they actually couldn't see it or not i mean that's been used by some um pundits to say well you know if we saw any really alien things we might not even be able to see them because well what they really mean is they might you might not be able to recognize them and that gets into all the stuff about martian ruins that we usually talk about here uh but the um yeah, no, this is just this is just a show and tell of when they were screwing with us because like that that four by picture uh number one, the um uh the upper left picture, the one that gets like I said in all the tabloids, you notice the and that's from NASA. It's the same image that they published showing the um uh little line that one of the staff at JPL had drawn around it with a question mark that says face. Mm-hmm. You know, they were the ones that started it. And yet, notice how much more defined the eye is than on any of the others. Mm-hmm. It, uh, so it's, yeah, you, you know, you really can't trust anything. But anyway, 
the um, it pops up again on number three that uh, Cydonia versus Lamini. Lamini is a site in Belize, which is um, the uh, if you think of the of Yucatan as sort of like a the rudder of an airplane attached to Mexico, you know, then the um, um, uh, Belize is the flap. You know, it's right there on the extreme east coast of Mexico, and it's a completely separate country. In fact, they shoot at each other once in a while, um, just on general principles. But there's uh, the Mayans were all over that area. And the thing, that thing on the right, I'm struck by how uncannily similar it is. That place is called officially the Face Temple. You can go there as a tourist. And I didn't want to uh, put in a picture that had anything obscured with um, tourists. But if you were standing there in front of it, your head would be about even with the mouth mm-hmm. or the lower lip. Anyway, that's how big that's how big it is. But it's uh, yeah, that's I find that kind of uncanny the similarity. And that and, guy um, has lips. He doesn't have a slit for a mouth. He's got lips, just like the Badlands Guardian has lips. It doesn't have a slit mm-hmm. for a mouth that you can yeah, but it, interpret as a mouth. It is there are lips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, well, okay. this is one that most people are unfamiliar with. You really should click on it and look at the larger version. But that, that is that large, uh, there's, a, there's a fuller-sized version of the overall landscape, the lower picture, uh, down in my section. Uh, but um, even on this one, you'll notice there's an A and a B, and it says place A on B. Well... B, of course, is the um, face. I turned it, you know, I twisted it around so it's straight up and down. And about 12 miles to the, uh, let's see, north would be to the right. So about 12 miles south of it, there's a uh, something else. And I said, gee, that looks awfully similar. And it's exactly the same size. That's just, I, I just clipped them both off of the uh, largest version of it I have. And so they're at exactly the same scale. And um, it looks like a half mask that kind of fits over the um, bright part of the face. I, I, I have no simple explanation, but this, the symmetry matches so closely that I'm really curious what it is. I think Richard's uh, assessment is that it's another one, you know, like they do lots of them. But I don't know. But it's awfully odd that 12 miles away, there's another one that looks like a uh, copper mask that fell off, blew off of it. Yeah. And of course, the and the Aztecs and the Mayans were all very fond of jade masks. Um, so that's uh, you know unanswered questions, folks. Well, it's just like and, the Badlands Guardian. If you go 1.38 miles to the northwest from the eye of the the Badlands Guardian. You come to the Badland Guardian's companion. It doesn't look anything at all like the face on Mars. Uh, uh, what the Badlands Guardian? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. Look, right. It doesn't. You've seen, uh, we've seen it nineteen times. It doesn't right. look at nineteen point five times. It doesn't look anything at all like it. Yeah, it, I mean, it's, this, this kind of stuff happens. We all know this. But you the know, one the things get duplicated. But the Badlands Guardian companion is one point three eight miles to the northwest of the Badlands Guardian. Both of these objects are are aligned perfectly north. And they got too much detail in it because the Guardian looks like a Viking with some kind of helmet on. And it's a profile. 
He's looking sideways. He's looking to the West, just like the Badlands Guardian. And how do you get two things like this in the one, same area? And it's supposed to be pareidolia? I don't think so. It's not. And, and uh, Well, no, of course not. Of course not. But the... Um, the uh, I don't know. There's there's no there's no simple uh, simply way to put it. But the uh, when you look at uh, when you look at Egyptian temples uh, from basically the entire span of time that people look at as ancient Egypt, and you see a picture of Hathor or a profile of Isis uh, or even the um, even things like Horus. Do you know why they all look alike? Because they used templates. Everybody uses templates. They use templates. They work from models. I mean, this is, you know, this is, of course, they looked the same. The only time you don't get that is if you have a second group that only through hearsay and folklore did they get a description of something and they have to come up with their own version of it. And there was a lot of that stuff happening in like the 18th and 19th century in Europe because there were parts of the world that none of those people had ever actually been to. And so they'd hear these wild tales and they'd make up a version. But in the case of the, anything from the native Americans, no, they knew what they were talking about. Of course they'd, of course they'd match. Yeah. Uh, when I say people, uh, people get, when I say people okay. don't see, see stuff, and the reason I keep bringing up the Badlands Guardian, because it's right here on this planet. And when I show it to people, they say, where is that on the moon, Mars, Venus? No, it's in Alberta, Canada. They don't believe it. And I said, it's so in believe, Alberta, Canada. And the weather's better. Right. Yeah. But with the, I've, I'm watching these things on YouTube where this one thing was going through all these different anomalies and stuff. And they came to the Badlands Guardian. They traced out the Badlands Guardian and they left off the shoulder that comes out to our right, his left shoulder, that has the two parallel ridges that come down. And the one closest to his neck curves under his neck. And, and they just left that out. They left the whole shoulder out like they didn't see it or something. And that's one of the key elements that makes this look like a figure. He's wearing a vest, but they didn't they didn't trace it out. And I'm going, you can't see what's right in front of you. So you only trace the head and the neck and didn't get the shoulder. How do you do that? Well, well, if, if someone doesn't want you to see what's there, but wants to talk about the fact that some people claim that they see something there, they'll leave a piece of it out. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty standard practice, but that's, uh, you know, uh, that doesn't apply to these. Okay. Well, let me, um, go on to the last of, um, well, the la possibly the last of the um, Richard things here. Uh, I found this in my uh, archives. I don't know why. Somebody sent it to me years ago from somewhere. That's why it didn't really have a proper name to it. It's a page out of a newsletter that was um, a rather well laid out one. I remember newsletters that look like this. This is a good way for them to look. And you'll notice down on the bottom left, there's a... Um, well, it says NASA invitation given to Richard Hoagland. And that's a story he should tell about one of the um, presentations that, that he gave. But that was back in um, 1988. So I just, I thought we should include that just so that Richard gets ranked. And, and actually, come to think of it, look at the little picture up next to the uh, logo at the top. That's the same one from that uh, foreplay up above. <laughs> it's that same same original one if that's not the best one then why do they why did that get duplicated more often 1988 was yeah. the year that 
I got involved with this is uh, when uh, I came across the Monuments of Mars, and then that's when Nightline did the show about Mars, and then I wrote the letter to Hoagland and through his publisher. He contacted me, and that's when I learned about Goddard Space Flight Center. And then I got involved, and I started watching all the dominoes falling as these guys were trying to cover up this entire thing, one right after the other. And that's when I knew something was wrong. And when I discovered that curve and the ray across the curve and Earl Torrin discovered the, the X and Y axis, I knew this is real. This is 100% real because math doesn't lie. And we all have our we all have our hinge points for those. Yeah. You know, I met Richard at a at a a conference thing that JPL was involved in in 1976, and we had a brief conversation. And I said, "Okay, this is cool." And I talked about the moon, and Richard said, "I'm not too sure about that stuff in George Leonard's book about the moon, but." I think there might be something on Mars. So he was uh, he was already into it as soon as the Viking picture came out. Um, and I didn't see him again for many years, but you know, there's uh, he's uh, he's he's always got priority on that. And if he decides to drop in on us, then he can finally tell his um, update on the Webb telescope. We left that then. Oh, I see you left a couple of them down there. Yeah, the um, we'll see what happens, but. Um, Everybody else is awfully quiet. Uh, Andrew, you're good with shapes and sh shapes and shadows. Well, the, the, yeah, you guys, you know, it's funny, um, and I know I'm I'm probably jumping the gun, but I think it's a worthy question right now. You know, Keith talking about the Badlands Guardian. I mean, that's Alberta, Canada. I mean, I've always had this thought. It's something I used to talk to Keith Laney about. If we sort of defoliated the planet, took all of the water away from Earth all of the you know all of us all the buildings all the trees what would we be left with i wonder greta, if we'd be left go ahead no no i was just going to make a reference to greta thunberg who thinks that that's going to happen <laughs> in the next 10 or 15 years how <laughs> dare you yeah yeah go ahead sorry now you know it there has been a bunch of tornadoes that have been going through somewhere. In the, is it the Midwest and the state? I don't know. I, I saw this video footage of it, these these security cams, and showing the way that the wind just swept everything away. And if you can sort of metaphorically imagine everything swept away from the earth and all that's left are, you know, the so-called land masses, you got to wonder how much of it would end up being ancient temples, um, giant monolith, monolithic sculptures or megalithic sculptures. I mean, monstrous. And then you got to wonder mm -hmm. if that's true. If we, you know, would we be another planet of art? And are these the same people that did the same thing on Mars? I mean, I mean, Keith is right. We have this stuff everywhere on the planet. I mean, you you can find this everywhere, and it's not the old man in the hills syndrome. I mean, you do get that sometimes. Mm -hmm. But well, megalithic means big stones. Yeah, yeah the uh, you know that's uh, sure it's. it's there's a, uh, and I can't pronounce the name, maybe uh, it'll spark something in Robert's memory because he can pronounce the Chinese, but there's a, uh, yeah, there's a site in China which was only noticed uh, a couple of years ago, and it's it's like the cliffs above a village somewhere in China. I mean, it's, you know, it's a town, but uh, there's a statue there that's carved into the front of it that's like, you know, almost 200 feet high. And it was all covered with foliage. Nobody had yeah. noticed it. Exactly. Yeah, and, it's, 
Um, uh, hey, um, Andrew, have you seen my Utah paper PDF on my website? The stuff I it, took took one yeah. photograph, one photograph with my wife in it, because I saw what looked like the bus of Nefertiti up on top of this bluff, right? Right. And I thought that was interesting. And then I noticed next to it there was this other pedestal that had right angles on it and straight lines and a little stem sticking up like there was a head on top of that at one point. Yeah. And then I was like, wow. So I took that one picture. And then when I was doing one of the shows, uh, I sent pictures to Kanthea, but then I started looking at that one photo, zoomed in, and then down below on another level, there is this vertical pillar standing there. And it looks like the head on top of the balanced rock, which we call the fish head guy. And I thought that was outrageous. Now you got three out of place artifacts in this one photograph. So then I show it to Jonathan Womack and he says, wow, okay. He finds a freaking bird head carved into the wall to the right of the freaking fish head guy. And that's what blew me out the water. I said, if he found that, I, I didn't see it because I wasn't looking over there. This you can't have four out of place artifacts in one photograph with that much detail and go, oh, this is just natural bull. bull. Well, you guys remember, there's also the um, what's called the Sphinx of. OK, I've looked this up because you, you triggered me. The Sphinx of Balochistan. It, and I think that's in Pakistan. We, we've talked. I don't know if we've talked about this on the show before. And I don't have the images. Here. Oh, I know the one you mean. You yes, know, Ron. I, I, yeah, and it's it, they uh, were they were they were they were resurfacing a road, and they said, "Oh, look at this." And I'm still a little dubious, but it would be an awful lot of work for somebody to have faked that in modern times. Oh, it's if people look it up, if people are at their computer and just open up another another um, you know, their browser yeah. and Window? just go look at yeah. Balochistan province of Pakistan and it's it looks like a sphinx and a whole series of, of, of carved columns I mean it is so weathered and worn down it really looks like Mars the stuff we're seeing on Mars so again right. where is the source okay, I, I know I'm going directly at the heart of this but where is the source I mean I think you said it Ron you said the artists are working on templates and you're exactly correct there is a form and there's a form that's used and there's an aesthetic that carries through time. And we're seeing it in, you know, not only in our, well, Egyptian settings, but in, in Pakistan, in, in, uh, in um, um, uh, I think, you know, there, what, what was the, the Egyptian stels that were seen? Is it in Florida when, when, the, when the, when the, oh, this was, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting guys, but it's like, it oh looks yeah, like, those, cir those circles, right? The, yeah. the thing that Art Bell had a big project about it and Richard got involved. They were trying to preserve the, I, what was the name of those? I, I can't what remember. the name but, of that site? Yeah. But the, but the point yeah. is, is that there's this continuum of artistic form. And as you say, Keith, these recognizable figures that you know if we looked even closer they some of them have or a lot of them probably have these elongated heads <laughs> and they're and i i mean there there are patterns coming through and you know when we go back to mars and look at that stuff and we've talked about this before sometimes it doesn't even look that incredibly old i mean some of it's really really old but some of it looks like you know it's not as weathered as you might you know it's not five 
what are they saying? How many billions of years since water or since water was on Mars, like in Jezero Crater? What is it? Uh, three billion? I can't remember exactly what. Uh, water has been there. Well, the, uh, yeah, the Amazonian period was like three hundred, uh, three hundred some million no. years ago. Yeah, the, it was only uh, four hundred. About a minute from the from the break, and I want to tell Andrew that that place in Pakistan is called Baluchistan. Baluchistan. Yeah, when we come back from the break, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, shapes and shadows that uh, that Ron asked about, and it's uh, dealing with the picture on the face on Mars. So um, yeah, and you've got a picture of a sphinx there in your stuff too, did you, uh, Robert? I was just going to just going to mention that. Well, we let's talk about it after the break. I think yes, it's signaling us that we're about to go there. Yeah. Okay. Um, you're listening to the other side of midnight. Uh, I'm your host for tonight because uh, Richard's in uh, another situation that takes him out of the picture for right now. His voice is a little raspy. He's not. He's. I. For once, he's not at death's door or anything. And it sounds like this. We'll be back right after the break. who are not allowed to make uh, pres- prescriptions on substances that they don't, you know, <laughs> that, that Big Pharma doesn't want them to have anymore. Somebody's in control of something. There's going to be a time, follow the money, where you're going to say, hey, something really inappropriate's gone on here. We're being controlled. I mean, it's, it's one thing to, to have mandates and all these, and another thing to shut people up who say, I would like to talk about this a little bit. No, you don't. You're not going to talk. And and so we have, uh, you know, people like uh, Dr. Mercola being shut down. That is not us. That's not how we operate. People ought to at least be allowed to have an opinion and state the opinion and and have uh, say, uh, I'd like you to know that a good immune system is going to help you. So here are the things for a good immune system. But I'm sorry, you can't buy them anymore because we're not allowed to. So something's going on. So that, my friend, is going to be exposed. That's another thing that you're seeing for a while and it won't last forever. So it's there now. But believe me, it ain't going to stay because the light's going to be turned on. Just like the, the abuse of the, uh, that I've just talked about, of both women and kids for priests and all, it's here in an ugly way, and eventually it's going to be seen. Pride says there'll be revelations, there may be even a movie about it. It's going to be the same thing that happened when we found out with tobacco, that they were, of course, addicting our children, and they had a cartoon, and they knew that it caused cancer. And you know what happened with that. We shut that basically shut that down and now we don't smoke anymore hi there this is lee carroll i want to tell you about the other side of the news in these days where we're not really hearing much good news or perhaps even what's really happening that's where the other side of the news is different 
And in that, you're going to hear not only controversy, but you're going to hear great things. There are going to be joyful things, too. I just got done with one of the broadcasts, and I encourage you to take a listen with myself and Monica. But the other side of the news, that's what we need more of in these times. And welcome back to the other side of midnight. Yeah, we've been talking about uh, a lot of things that are right here on this planet that they have ignored because they don't. It doesn't fit their paradigm. And if you guys go back to the first episode of Meanwhile on Mars, back on Mars that uh, I hosted, because uh, there's three parts now. This is the third part. I. You can find my links to my website and to the PDF that I have about Utah and all the stuff that just had my jaw dropped uh, because there's a lot of stuff there that just doesn't fit. It just, and they're saying it's natural, it's natural, it's natural. It's, no, it's not natural. There's too many coincidences for it to be natural. And one of the ones that was... Uh, the biggest coincidence that caught me, besides the, the fish head and the balanced rock, was the um, fact that behind the balanced rock was what looks like an elephant's head carved into this huge pillar, along with a whole bunch of other shapes. And then when the monolith came out, the Utah monolith, and everybody flocked into the area, all the pictures started flooding out. And I'm saying nobody sees all of this artwork on the walls carved into the into the uh, stone. Nobody sees any of this stuff. And, and that's what drove me up a wall, because I'm like, this is not natural. Somebody put that pillar there to get everyone's attention and nobody paid attention to what they were looking at. And. I, I saw the little owl sitting on the shelf. I saw painted into the walls uh, artwork that had some kind of, uh, it looked like an, a large insect or caterpillar or something with uh, antenna sticking out of it with a face on it. And I'm like, nobody sees all this artwork. And it's all grouped together. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you can't see it. Once you look at it, you'll start to see the stuff. But People went in there, the puma heads that was carved into it, sticking out the side of the wall on the left side of it, the the huge cat head. And I couldn't figure out what it was on the left, the right side of the pillar. But I saw this perfect curve come down, sloping over. And I kept going, there's a hole here, but I can't figure out what this is until I saw the picture come from that was shot looking down into the valley. And then you could see this huge cat head right across from the puma head, which is much smaller. And I'm going to, and then when they tore it down and you came back and they took a picture looking at the puma head and in on the right side of the puma head, there's this outcove. And in there is an outline of an eagle and you follow the eagle down and there's got the talons and everything. And I'm going, and nobody saw this stuff. So let me bring my people back. <clears throat> okay, guys. Uh, yes, I'd like to say uh, something about the... Um, he, Ron asked Andrew about shapes and shadows, and everybody talks about shapes. 
I've been intrigued by shadows, and I've done shadow studies of uh, many of these monuments on Mars. I'd like to bring your attention to the, uh, the, the four pictures, uh, one of which says target, the lower left quadrant. And what intrigued me about that picture long ago, almost, I guess it's 30 years ago, is the perfection of that shadow. Almost, almost uh, an equilateral triangle, but perfectly pointed. And it gives me the sense that the slopes of the face on the diagonal are a sort of a pyramid that was carved out on one side or the other side of the diagonal to make the face. Now, the hey, reason Robert, I, you might be onto something, I think. I think so. Let me finish the, uh, the thought. Yeah, because when yeah, I worked with those early pictures, with those early pictures that we had, which is part of this this uh, this grouping, the target, they had that sun angle. They produced that shadow on the face. But when I went to the city, I was amazed that the city uh, with the Central Avenue, they're all mounds of different sizes but they were all casting shadows that were congruent to each other, and they were similar to this angle. So it's a, it seems like they were making either mounds or pyramids that had a, a common slope, whether it was 100 feet high, 300 feet high, or I, don't, I, don't, I forget how high the, um, the, uh, the face is. Uh, I know it's about a mile and a half in length. So... This was an interesting uh, observation, but nobody ever pays attention to the shadows, except uh, in this case, they just drew my attention right away. So you're what right. were you going to say? I mean, I'm oh, I was just going to say you're, you're, you're on the right track of something. I can't say, I know, can't say that I have the um, uh, final steps either, but the, uh, yeah, people, j people come up with something and they jump on it too hard. You know, like they, uh, all of a mean? sudden there's... The straightness, yeah. the straightness of uh, the side and the point, and oh, you're right. I'm very careful not to mess with those. You know, I, yeah. I, there's a little bit of enhancement that I did on most of these pictures of it, those four pictures, obviously. But uh, yeah, I don't mess with shadows, and you can see how different. And it's supposed to be the same shot, and yet the uh, the shadow is quite a bit different. Uh, in well, when you clean ways. it up, when you clean it up, things do tend to be uh, sharper, but. Again, yeah. it was in that series of photographs that showed uh, the Sidonia complex that I noticed the congruency of the angles of the, the apex of the shadows being cast by the city yeah. structures and by the face. Yeah, you're right. I, I seem to remember that they actually, there are maybe three or four other Viking pictures that uh, include it, but they all claim to be, you know, impossible to resolve. I think that... Uh, Mark Carlotto and um, um, who's his partner in that stuff uh, tried to do, you know, tried to do something with Shona, but there's a couple of others. So they were they were already interested in it. They just for some reason wanted to make all the public think that now it's nothing. It's nothing. Let's talk uh, a little bit about the cover up. When, as you said, they're the ones. NASA are the ones that named it the face. Right when when that upper left hand. Uh, uh, picture came out. They're the ones that said it's it's a face, and everybody got excited. The reporters started, you know, putting out their articles, and 
they're saying, well, when, when can we see another picture of it? And he said, well, it's going to come around in another couple of hours and we're going to take another picture of it. And then uh, everybody waited. The hours passed by. And then they came and did the press conference and they said, oh, yeah, we took another picture of it. And uh, there's nothing there. It's just, it was just an illusion caused by uh, light and shadows. And then we have to give credit to Mark Carlotto, who many years later started researching, and he found that other photograph that they referred to, claiming that it did not show the face. But it did show the face. So I thought the, that was uh, Vincent DiPietro and Greg Mulliner who found the DiPietro, Vincent DiPietro and... That, thank Mark you. That's the names I was thinking of. Yeah, go ahead, Robert. Right. Well, I, I think that, you know, from the very beginning, we can see that NASA got scared after their initial reaction, which was being honest, that, well, that looks like a face. So a lot of people now think that this is conspiracy theory, but we have to keep reminding them that the first conspirators were NASA. They're the ones that named it the face, and then they're the ones who denied that it was there when the second picture was taken. They didn't show it. And it was left to Vincent DiPietro and uh, Greg Mark Molinar. Greg Molinar. Yeah. Greg Molinar. Could they right? be playing some sort of weird double head fake on this? Because the, uh, I mean, they have gone so far over the line in some occasion, on some occasions in coming up with versions that were preposterously wrong. You know, it's, oh, it's, yeah. It's, you have you have to wonder. I mean, I I I, I take it for granted that the. The uh, try as they like to say that they're the civilian space agency. I mean, it was. Uh, if you look at the original paperwork for NASA, they were funded out of the uh, Department yeah, of Defense in the first place. So, but as yeah, I, Rod, as Rod, I Rod, said in the first my, episode of this, back meanwhile back on Mars, in the first episode when I was telling everybody, the the space agency was not civilian. Okay, that was what's in the yeah. charter. But in 1965, in the Washington Post, there's a small article, and it's talking about how the, the NASA unions were upset because key positions were being given to retired military personnel. Now, right. te technically, they're civilians now, but they still have their oath of loyalty and their their. Uh, Secrecy. Uh, secrecy. No, they're not going to say anything. Right. Non-disclosure agreements, things like and, that. Yes. And if they're told, put your finger on something and cover it up, they're going to do it. So the military had control of NASA, and that's why in 1965 in the Washington Post, is small articles talking about key positions being given to retired military personnel, and that's how they took control to keep things under wraps. And well, this I'd all like goes back to, to Brookings. Excuse me, I'd Brookings. like everyone to remember one of my favorite quips, which is the first trick of science was to convince us that we all evolved from monkeys so that when they treat us like monkeys, we won't complain. <laughs> I like that. That's, okay. that's, but it, yeah, that's for. If I found, the, if I found <laughs> that curve, okay, these guys are not stupid. You know, even though they've got the blinders on because they've been Everybody taught to look at things. Everybody raise your hands right. if anybody understands what that curve is. I, it's a, that's a, you're talking a rather abstruse. I'm sorry, Keith. You're yeah, talking a rather no abstruse geometry. mathematical yeah, concept that it doesn't have any ba doesn't have any contextual reference. Yeah, well, you have to see the. So just you have to see his his uh, diagrams. But I I agree. It's a it's a very interesting uh, discovery. 
Yeah. yeah. If you go back to but it needs, the first but it needs episode, context. Well, if you it go back to context. the first episode of back on, meanwhile, back on Mars, all of that stuff is there because I the pictures we are there. there, everything. So, but the thing is, is that if I could see that and I could find it, do you think these guys don't know what they're looking at? They took that high res shot across the big pyramid. The curve starts out from around. And you see these humps or ridges running down the side of the pyramid, going out to each one of the mounds and connecting to them. And nature doesn't do that kind of stuff. It's not no, runoff. When you know the names, when you study the names that were given to this region by Philip Morrison and Carl Sagan and company, you realize these guys knew instantly what they were looking at. They named it Syria. They named it Sinai. They named it Olympus. They gave it a lot of Greek names, which indicates to me that they were recognizing that they had found the ancient homes of the Greek gods, the myth of the Greek Ooh, gods. Robert, it actually goes back farther than that because uh, Schiaparelli, uh, yes. who um, is rather famous for... Um, for the yeah, yeah, the whole business with the uh, naming the canals. It was actually an Italian friend of his that uh, suggested that that's what they look like. And can canali means lines, not canals. Or channels, channels. But you know, Channel, they're quite, right. he was quite right. What he was yes. seeing was the shadows going across the fossa. The fossas are dry riverbeds that once existed. So mm -hmm. when the morning and the right. evening uh, sunlight streams across, which we'll talk about later when we talk about the eye of Mars, the uh, the uh, the trenches, the the riverbeds, are dark, and they do mm -hmm. make uh, images we've seen through a telescope that look like channels or canali, as uh, Chef. Oh, uh, they. Oh, yeah. I say. I think that's. I think there, there's truth behind all of that, and that gets into the whole question that none of us really have answers for about where were they getting this information? You know, like Chaparelli. I mean, the air was much much clearer back in his day. So you can see a lot more with a smaller telescope. But uh, just the same, he based his map of Mars, that one that you always see, it's like a line drawing and it's got all those ellipses on it. Uh, he based that on a um, navigational, a Greek uh, navigational map of the Mediterranean because he saw a similarity in the basic layout. And so he, he pulled a lot of names off of there, too. And that's where Cydonia came from. It's a, it's a promontory on the uh, north shore of uh, the island of Crete that's called Cydonia. It's been there forever. It's spelled with a K. Uh, but, um, the, uh, yeah, a lot, of the names came, a lot of the names came from there. And it was just he was struck by the similarity of the... Uh, basic layout and he thought he said in his notes with the the map that he had no expectation that anyone was going to keep them he just wanted to keep it all straight in his own head so he made up you know he put names on everything and it turned out that everybody just kind of accepted his they said no that'll work yeah that's good oh i like that one too <laughs> so he was responsible for an awful lot of those uh map names now, what the, what, the mo what the modern guys are doing with the stuff the rovers find drives me crazy because uh, I don't know where they're getting their nomenclature. I, I feel like we're insulting the ancient Martians by not trying to give them more Martian-derived names. 
Yeah, and they're insulting Yogi Bear and Yogi Berra, too, who had nothing to do with rocks. <laughs> well, yeah, the... well, actually, oh, uh, if you want to get back to Pathfinder, yeah, that was the, uh, uh, that rock is a lot, it's not really much of a rock, but it's much more interesting than people think, but uh, that would, Pathfinder almost deserves its own show. Yeah, I'm just saying that they, they take a giggle. They have a giggle when they name these things. There's some kind of little uh, in-joke, in-house joke that they think they know it, and they have a little laugh when they put Oh, absolutely. Things. In fact, uh, I've enhanced that uh, thing that the uh, that the Sojourner rover bumped up against that they named Yogi, and yeah. everybody goes, Hey, Yogi! Hey, Yogi! Let's go steal some picnic baskets. You know, it's, uh, it's all, no, it's not Yogi and Boo Boo. They meant Yogi in the other sense, like the classes that you give people, Robert, uh, because when you enhance it, there is a, there is a very uh, scholarly, wise, ancient uh, Yogi kind of face um, carved uh, on the top side of it. I hate to describe stuff that it's we have a picture of. Yeah, it's code yeah, language. And it's, yeah, but, again, but it, when, uh, when I saw the names, you see, uh, that last picture in my section, which is the eye, the black eye with the black tear that looks like Alice Cooper's eye, that was yeah, something let's take a look at that. I, actually, I actually saw. And uh, it's the 20th anniversary next year, August 26th, 27th, and 28th, when I had one of the greatest privileges of my life. Uh, I went out mm -hmm. and bought a $1,000 telescope because I heard that Mars was coming closest to the Earth closer to the Earth than it had in 60,000 years. And I've been at astronomy for about 20 years, and I said, man, I'm not going to miss this. Mm -hmm. So I got it, and when I looked at Mars those three nights, on the 28th, I, I spent two hours, almost three hours on the roof watching it. It was, it was so close you felt you could touch it. And it was like a pink neon bulb in the sky. And as it was turning... I saw on the right side, which be, let's just call it the east side, there was a really dark space, like something had been shaved out. It wasn't a perfectly round orb. It was I know, slightly flattened. And as it turned slowly, very slowly, it was morning sunlight. It was coming in. And when it turned fully, I saw an eyeball in the sky. And to be quite frank with you, it terrified me. I have never felt a sensation like, or I had never felt a sensation like that in all my life. There's a thing we call fear. There's a thing we call shock, and there's a thing we call dread. And dread is what I felt. When I saw that black pupil looking back at me, in one glance, I knew that Mars had been destroyed. Whatever ecosystem existed there, whether there was uh, a humanoid life or not, whatever ecosystem existed there was wiped off the face of Mars in one shot that created a region of Mars that is now called Solus Lacus, and the mm -hmm. south, the south, southern region is called Talmacia. And I realized that this thing was what caused the, the Tarsus bulge. It flattened that area of Mars, it upraised. Uh, the Tarsus Highlands, which is a ridge of, of palisades that stretches for hundreds of miles. And I knew at that moment what a huge lie NASA had been foisting on the world because I saw a dynamic 
living, breathing planet with weather, lightnings. Talk about lightning. We talk about the aurora borealis, northern and southern lights. I saw arcs of plasma shooting over Mars from the North Pole to the South Pole. And it took NASA years to uh, admit that to people. Now it's commonly accepted, but nobody really brings it uh, to public attention. I saw arcs of something that I named the uh, Aurora Australoborealis, because these arcs, like lightning, huge streams of it, were going across the over the surface of the planet, kind of like a slinky. You know when you used to play with slinky, you made it go from one hand to the other. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Out. It was just oh, no, like it's stairs, man. Man, you yeah. got to have stairs if you're going to yeah, play with stairs slinky. for the slinky. But also, here's another thing. All along the Tarsus Highlands, I saw clouds that were a thousand miles long. They were rolling off the highlands like logs, and they were all parallel going across that area of uh, Tarsus and then across Sidonia, because that's what we were looking at. Uh, later on, I'll come back to it, and we'll talk about uh, some of those pictures in uh, in my section. But uh, I'll hey, tell Robert? you. Yes. Before before you re- be uh, yeah before you do, uh, yeah, I, I'm surprised some of your pictures are missing. What happened to the um, uh, where's the Crystal City and that stuff? I mentioned, oh, no, I, I mentioned it because I mentioned the Sphinx earlier. And that, that's, oh, no, that's no, those are pictures. I'm gonna, uh, Ron, Ron, you misunderstood. Yeah. I was asking for those pictures so that I can put show, showcase your work on Coast to Coast next Wednesday. When I'm, oh, I'm, cool. I'm going to be on well, Coast to Coast next Wednesday at 3 a.m. in New York, 12 midnight in California with George Nuri. And uh, it's going to be about Mars again, but I, I honor your work. And I said, well, that thank I you, sir. I no, that's I just why, didn't want to. That's why they're not here. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I, I tell you, yeah, I told you in the email. I was, you were perfectly free to do whatever you liked with them. So yeah. um, that's all good. But uh, we, yeah, we shouldn't shouldn't give George too many promos, probably. No. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> let's anyway, let's, let's pretend that we let's pretend that we all hate each other like like um, radio shows are supposed uh, to. So, Robert, yeah, can George, I ask you a question? Really good. Robert, can, can I ask you a question? Uh, so that eye that we're looking at, or that hole, is that on the surface of Mars, or is that Phobos in between Mars and your... No, no. Are you talking about the picture number six? Yeah, TMA, number six. I, no, no, no. That's what I saw through the telescope. It's not It's not a moon, no. Uh, Phobos is nowhere near that size. What I'm saying is, as long as you brought it up, if you look at picture five, and enlarge it, you're looking at the same region, identical region, which is in picture five, which was taken in South Africa by Sebastian Vollmer in 2018, when Mars came again to its closest point since 2003. Mm -hmm. You see a bright line, horizontal line, quasi-horizontal in the center. That's the uh, Valles Marineris. And over to the left of that, or to the west of that, you'll see three humps and one of them is kind of a hollow those are the the tarsus uh montes the tarsus volcanoes to the south of it to the south of the valles marineris you can see the depth of the impact of this meteor 
And another one of the deceptions of uh, NASA is to lie to us and to the world public about the actual depth of Solus Lacus and Taumacia. You can see in this, I enhanced this picture, it's a wonderful photograph taken by a South African astronomer. Uh, thank you, Gary Legere, for sharing it with me. So I, I improved the contrast so that you can see the depth. And these are miles deep. Uh, it's, it's more than the Grand Canyon. You know, they talk about the Valles Marineris being the, uh, like the Grand Canyon, you know, 18 mile wide, four miles deep. But this area to the south of uh, Valles Marineris. I think Valles Marineris, yeah, isn't the Valles Marineris uh, over six miles deep? That's yes, a six and four, question. six and four, but I'm talking about yeah. this area. Now, if you look mm -hmm. at that little bend where you have the bright spots, you have a very bright white light in the center, and then you see the skeletal remains of the Valles Marineris. That area immediately below is called Sinai, and the area near it is called Syria. And they went on to name all of these things with uh, uh, Greco-Roman nomenclature, and they named that giant volcano. You see the dark spot up at, what would we say, 10 o'clock, if you think about this uh, image. Sure. Clock. At 10 o'clock, you see a dark spot that uh, cuts off the, the uh, circumference somewhat. That's um, Olympus Mons. So they knew that they were looking at the primordial the real Mount Olympus. Wait, 10 o'clock or, or 2 o'clock? No, 10 o'clock. Oh, okay. 10 o'clock, there's a dark shadow uh, on, the, on the limb. That's actually Olympus Mons. If you come a little closer, you see a dimple over there at, um, let's call it, not exactly 270, but about 265 degrees. There's a, a dark spot, that dimple. That is one of the three volcanoes um, uh, Pavonia, Acreus Mons, and uh, the, the third one that uh, is stationed. Those three are lined up, but I'm talking about the depth. You see the darkness of the shadows to the south of the Valles uh, Marineris. That's how deep it was. So here we have the sunlight streaming into it, straight down into it, and so we can see the depths. But when the sun is at afternoon or morning sunlight, it's cutting across these depths, and so the sunlight doesn't hit the bottom. And what you see is a blackness so opaque that it looks like the pupil of an eye. And that's what uh, figure number six is. Okay. I saw that. And so I took one of the best pictures that, uh, of Mars that had been released, a, full, a daytime picture, and I filled in that area from the Valles Marineris down into Talmacia to create a photo facsimile of what my eyes had seen that night, August 28th, 2003. And I'll tell you, when it looked at me, I looked at it, and I was frightened by what I saw in the, in the gut. Uh, that's why I call it dread, because I realized, man, hmm. all of life on Earth could be expunged in one shot, and nobody would ever know what happened, because that's what happened to Mars. Well, what's the story with your number three? Oh, 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 why don't we leave that for after the break? Hold up. Let's leave that for after the break. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're going to go to break. break. Um, 
I, I know that just I have a question, but uh, like I said, it's gonna it's gonna come after the break, and yeah. uh, it's got to do with um, it's gonna do with it's it's got to do with the what you thought about the volcanoes that were the volcano that was erupting on Mars, and they said it's just uh, condensation. All right, oh, yeah. let me let me take us to break. Uh, you're listening to The Other Side of Midnight. I'm your host, Keith Morgan, and we'll be back after this break. for listening to this exciting first hour now the second and third hour of the show is available to club 19.5 members only please support the show by subscribing to club 19.5 and join our very interesting community to do that please visit the website theothersideofmidnight.com and click on the join club 19.5 link in the left hand column as a club 19.5 member you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed, and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports, We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out.